So you're held to this level of perfection and it's not attainable. And no one tells you that, you know, no one says it perfection in, in this, you know, this picture that's being painted, it, it's not attainable because it does, it's not realistic. It doesn't right. exist. And so when we step outside of that and to realize I don't need to be painted in that picture. My picture can be all of us on the couch laying in our jammies, socks and a bag of hot Cheetos. And I can, it can still be the perfect picture for me. Hey mamas, welcome to the more than a mother podcast, where we believe you can pursue your dreams and be a great mother at the same time. I am your host, Lawan Moses, and I am helping you find the freedom to live. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, friends, welcome back to the More Than a Mother podcast. This is your host, Lawan Moses, and I am back with you again for another great episode. If this is your first time listening at More Than a Mother podcast, We are helping moms to create a life outside of motherhood without sacrificing their family time. We believe that moms can pursue their dreams and be great moms at the same time. Today, I sat down with Corey Assumption, creator and host of That's Not Proper podcast, the podcast that insists on breaking norms and traditions on sex, parenting, religion, female empowerment, life, and relationships. Corey and I had a real candid conversation about her life experience and how she had to break away from her own traditions and norms so that she could really just be herself and live her best life and make the best life for herself and her family. Corey also shares with us the importance of walking our own paths, how as we're finding ourselves homeschooling, sometimes it's necessary to unschool, and just overall empowers us to get out here and live our own lives, even if people see it as not being proper. Let's dive into my chat with Corey. Hey, Corey, how are you? I am doing great. How are you doing, Luan? I am doing wonderful. Welcome to the More Than a Mother podcast. I'm so glad you could join me today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So before we get started, can you introduce yourself to my audience? Um, sure. I'm not sure what everybody wants to know about me, but I, my name is Corey Asuncion. I am a mother of seven children. Yes, I gave birth to all of them. I get asked that all the time. No, we, it wasn't a religious thing to have this many kids. We just <laughs> did. I have uh, four sons and three daughters. In fact, one of them is 23 today. Oh, wow. And I have been a stay-at-home mom for most of those years, but I homeschooled my children. Now I'm a live-in caregiver and six of my children are still home and just kind of a busy, crazy, hectic life. And it's been pretty interesting. Awesome. And so before we start, I just want everyone to know that Corey's podcast is called That's Not Proper. So anything is liable to happen during this interview because we just (laughs) met a few days ago. But trust me, Corey likes to have fun. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) and her personality can I don't think it's captured well on audio, but it is going to be a fun interview. So. Yes. I do hear that pretty often. My, I hear some people say, but you're not as funny on audio. I'm like, well, some of the topics aren't as funny, but I'm really honestly just a giant goofball. And I regularly will say my sense of humor is like my drug, my saving grace. It's, you know, I'm addicted to it. It has saved me many times yeah. over the course of my life. And having a sense <laughs> of humor is great. So before we dive into everything, as you know, at More Than a Mother, we are big on storytelling because I believe that everyone has a story to tell and through telling our stories, we are able to help others. So if you could share with our audience, I know you have several aha moments, but (laughs) what are some of those moments that you had on your journey that led you to be where you are today and the things that you're doing today? Well, yeah, you and I had talked a little bit about it. It wasn't just one moment. It was like a collection and a culmination of moments. And I would say it probably the biggest change occurred probably around seven to eight years ago. You know, we, as a big family, there's lots of factors involved, especially when you're talking about being a one income family and a stay at home mom and homeschooling the kids. There's, there's a lot of different 
factors that are involved as far as how I can be me. And part of the problem was for a long time, I just, I really couldn't. And you hear a lot of people say the term um, or the phrase, I needed to find my voice. And I, I heard this recently and it was really, it kind of rung true with me was it wasn't that my voice was lost. It wasn't gone. It was, it was still there, but it was suppressed or oppressed. It was under bondage, if you want to use that uh, term. And I feel like for me, I just got sick of it all. I got sick of obeying traditions and norms. I got sick of being the one who had to look good and the kids had to be like this and I had to be like this and I had to make things this way all because someone had dictated that to me previously. And along with my partner, it was, a, it was both of us came to these realizations and you know, lo- there was lots of life events at the time that kind of created mayhem and chaos, quite honestly. And it was kind of a do or die situation. It was come together and get through this and do what's right for us as a family, for me as a person, as a mother, or just kind of fall by the wayside. Yeah. And that those moments can be life changing. And Mm -hmm. I like how you said that you felt like you were in bondage, because I think so many of Mm -hmm. us live in bondage and we're taught by society that we should be a certain way. Mothers should act a certain way. Our families should be a certain way. And there are these traditions and norms that people tend to stick to. But then mm-hmm. while we're sticking to these, we just find ourselves miserable. Well, and you know, the thing is, is it's, it's not to necessarily put down, you know, my mother or my grandmother or, right. you know, those who were here before us, because honestly they were doing what was dictated to them. Right. And in a sense, you could even look at it if you were to kind of look at it from a different aspect. You could say it's almost noble in a sense. They they continue to do things that maybe they appreciated in their mother or father or their parents or their family, whatever, whomever raised them. And they continue to do those things with their children because they thought that that's what was best. And it, what for me, what it came to be was that it wasn't what was best. It wasn't best for me. It wasn't best for my children. It wasn't best for my family. It wasn't, I was seeing it was, you could watch society and you see, we hang on to these traditions, to these norms, and we just keep perpetuating them and nothing changes. Right. And there's that quote, I don't remember it exactly by Einstein or something like that, where, you know, you keep doing the same exact thing, expecting a different result. Oh yeah. And really that's the definition of insanity. Yes. And And that's really what it was. It was nothing's changing. We're doing all things exactly the same. I'm holding on to these beliefs and morals and traditions and these norms and these ideals that somebody else created. Why? Why am I doing that? Especially when you could feel within yourself, something's just not right, or this doesn't feel right, or I'm doing this to whatever, satiate another person or another group or whatever. And so to switch the narrative on that and say, you know what? No more. It's just no more. It's a difficult step to make too, because already as a family, we were kind of (laughs) the black sheep and, you know, outcasts in a sense. And it wasn't just because we had so many kids because we had a lot of kids, but it was just the way we did things was different. Anyhow, our, our personalities and our characters are different than a lot of people. I mean, him and I are kind of, you know, when you look at us, we are (laughs) appearance wise, we're two very different people. And so it, you know, we were already kind of outcasts in a sense, but still, especially myself hanging on to trying to make sure I fit the mold of whatever, whomever I came into contact with. And so breaking free from that creates chaos also for those outside your circle because they don't know what to do with you now. Right. And that is so true. Yeah. And, and it's almost fun (laughs) because there's a little bit of a thrill of being like that black sheep who is doing things different and, you know, causing a little bit of ruffling of feathers and to see though that change. And then you see the changes in yourself, you see the changes in your family and you know what you're doing is right, despite the fact that, man, you're ruffling feathers all over the place. Right. But it's important that you learn what worked for you. And that's what I just listening to you speak and go through your story. It was a transformational period to where you were learning. Mm -hmm. Although this is what I've been taught, 
that's not going to work for me and how I want to live right now. Like it's nothing wrong with the way that people are doing things, but that's Mm -hmm. just not what's working for me. So, I mean, there is a place for traditions and norms, but then when we realize that, okay, that's fine. I'm not knocking that, but that's not going to work for me. So then to have that courage to step out and ruffle those feathers, because many people wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just a free, I'm sure that's like a freeing experience in itself. Oh, it was absolutely freeing. And, you know, when you said learning, I'm still learning. And, but what it, I feel like it's a much more conscious effort when I do or say something or, you know, you know, change something we've done in the past. It, there's a lot more thought put into it because it, as moms, you know, we're, we are really held to this standard of perfection. Yeah. And, and maybe that's not the word that's used, but that's what's expected. You know, oh, you know, this mom does it this way. Well, then, you know, everybody following her's got to do it the same way. Cause if we do something a little bit different, then, oh my goodness. And, you know, so you see the pictures on social media, <laughs> which makes me laugh. You oh, see yeah. those pictures on social media. <laughs> yeah. And someone's gone. And now, not to knock anyone who's gone to a professional photographer, if you, you do you, boo, I don't care. I'm just saying, you see those pictures. And, you know, and they've got their either khakis on, their button-up shirts, and everybody's hair is just so, and it's got this beautiful tree in the background with the path, you know, flowing in a little. Yes. But you look at that, and it's just like, oh, how I, the perfect family. I don't look like that. So what right. can, you know, so then you start, what am, what can I do to make myself look like that, What you know, on social media for whatever reason, because that's not literally what's happening at home anyhow. But, right. you know, it's, and it's. So you're held to this level of perfection and it's not attainable. And no one tells you that, you know, no one says it perfection in, in this, you know, this picture that's being painted, it, it's not attainable because it does, it's not realistic. It doesn't right. exist. And so when we step outside of that and start to realize I don't need to be painted in that picture, my picture can be all of us on the couch laying in our jammies socks and a bag of hot Cheetos and I can, it can still be the perfect picture for me, you know? Right. And so when we can break free from that, I think that it, that's an aha moment when you start to realize, I don't have to be that, that perfect mother, that perfect picture mother. Right. That and I, yeah. And family. I agree about the pictures. Cause as I like to tell people that when you see those pictures, that's just like a glimpse, like that's a moment mm-hmm. who knows what was happening before that second was captured. I mean, on that picture and who knows what's happening after the camera goes off. But in this social media age, it's so easy to get caught up in people that are putting their best on social media, their perfectly crafted pictures and all, but it's like, there's always stories behind those pictures, but we're so quick to look at what others are doing and people are quick to throw out the word goals and they want to be like someone, but you don't really know what their life is like outside of those pictures. Well, and we each have our own path. You said the right. word goals, which then makes me think of, you know, hashtag relationship goals right, or whatever. Things, yes. And I'm like, <laughs> and those things make me bonkers me because too. I'm like, no, you don't want their relationship. You don't want that, you know, situation, whether it's a, a you know, a romantic interest or family or whatever. You want what you, you want yours. You have yes. your own. Theirs is different. And it's funny. I was laughing in my head. I was laughing about the, the picture thing. I used to do some amateur photography and I have photographed children and families in situations just like that. And let me tell you, 90% of the pictures do not look like that. Right. You've got, uh, photographing children is honestly, it's a nightmare. And so they're all over the place and mom is having a fit breakdown because she got everybody all cute. And, you know, Tommy's over there in the mud and Susie's over there doing who knows what <laughs> it, those pic- that is not, that is not real life. <laughs> Even right. just superficial, superficially, just what happened that day, that did, that is not how that went down. <laughs> yes. And that's the part that people don't realize. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Social media pictures, it's all. And though I cringe at the word goals when I see that with anything, it's like a cringe word. Like, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like tr- trigger. I, yeah. Yes. I'm like, mm, no, I don't. Mm-mm. Yeah. Because. I, I, I don't, you know, and I guess in a sense, I can see what people are saying. They want a good relationship. And so for some reason, this picture has painted for them this good or, you know, great relationship or whatever it is. And, but you have no idea what's going on, you know, in, in the background. Right. You know, and another thing I wanted to 
talk with you about too was I've always, not always, but for many years I've used this term background noise. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is such a struggle as a mom because I think that every mother has within them or parent the ability to find what is perfect for their path, for their family, for themselves. Mm-hmm. But there's all this background noise. There's all these things going on, social media pictures, you know, <laughs> hashtag, you know, relationship goals, all these things. You see it on, you see it on the media, you see it on television, you see it in magazines, you know, there's all these things being tossed at you as to what is defined by someone else as the perfect parent, the perfect mother, the perfect relationship, the perfect life. And that's all background noise. And it distracts us from what our focus needs to be, which is finding what is best for our path, which we all have the ability to do, but we have to figure out how we turn that background noise off. Right. And that's the thing. I think a lot of people struggle with turning off that background noise. And I've can relate that back to how we started this conversation with the tradition and norms, because Mm -hmm. a lot of that may fit into tradition and norms. And then you're seeing the past that others are creating. And it's like, we're constantly measuring ourselves up to this standard that has been set somewhere by someone. There's this standard that we're supposed to reach. And that Mm -hmm. all contributes to that background noise and those distractions to where we're not able to reflect inwards and focus on Mm -hmm. ourselves as individuals, as mothers, as women, like what do I need in my life so that I'm living my perfect, so to speak, path. But it's just so easy because it's a hard when you have to reflect inwards, I guess. And that's a step that everyone needs to take in order to start silencing that background noise is to start focusing on inwards. So how would you say that when in a world of background noise, mm-hmm. how are you able to be comfortable enough to make those steps to do what worked for you? Okay. So <laughs> several years ago, my partner has this term he has been using on everyone for several years. And that I shouldn't say using on that sounds terrible, but anyhow, <laughs> he says to everyone, he says it all the time. And the term is rest. And I think there are times where people, when he says that to people, people are like, wait, I, a, a nap? You want me to take a nap? And no, <laughs> that's not, I mean, it could be a nap, but right. really what it means is pause, take a moment, consider what you're doing, consider what you're hearing, consider your next action. And if that, and if you don't have a direct idea of what you're supposed to do next, do nothing. Oh, and so that for me, after, after hearing him say it to me over and over again, and I'm like, just shut up, you know, (laughs) you know, I, because he would say it so often. And the, after taking time to consider what he was saying, I recognized a little bit more in myself because I am a constant, I hate sitting still for anything, whatever it is, it's either that my mind is moving or my body is moving. Mm -hmm. And so for someone like that, like me, it's difficult to pause because I've got, no, I've got 67,000 things I've got going on in my head right now. And they all have to occur for some reason, according to myself in the next five minutes. And so it's hard to say, wait a second, is this next thing I'm going to do that I'm going to say that I'm going to consider that I'm going to plan? Is that what I'm supposed to do right now? Do I know for certain? Do I have all the tools? Do I have all the knowledge I have to actually make this choice or decision or this, you know, thought process or whatever? And so taking, just stop, literally just ceasing, resting for a moment and considering. And if I don't have it, if I don't know, don't until you do. And sometimes it's a little irritating for other people because they're like, no, I need you to make a decision now. But, but your decision could affect absolutely everyone around you in ways that you may never even know. And so if my decision is haphazard or the choice that I'm making, the lifestyle that I'm living is haphazard and without thought and without rest, without ceasing and considering, and I, you know, go forward it with haphazardly and I can affect, you know, myself my children, those around me, people I don't even realize. I don't know this domino that could occur from this choice that I'm making. Correct. And so when I started to understand that a little bit more and recognizing that I need to 
rest. It actually helped, you know, kind of toss out some of that background noise. I still, mm-hmm. I still deal with this. You know, there are times where I have to go, hold on a second. Wait, why did I make that decision? Why did I even say what I just said? Is it because of the traditions and norms and I'm still breaking free from those? Is it, was it haphazard or is this really what the, you know, the best step that I need to take next? Mm-hmm. And again, have I perfected this? No, at all. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm still working on it, but the fact that I recognize it and I consider it now, it really helps to kind of rule some of that stuff out. It help. It is nice to have someone to bounce things off of. So I do have a partner where I can bounce things off of him and he's real good at being very simplistic in steps, annoyingly so, because I'm like, no, I've got 55. And he's like, well, let's just do this one. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I could probably do 10 at once, you know? And, right. and he's like, no, 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 no. Let's just start, you know, rest, consider, don't make a move. This is step one. And it, and it has been really helpful. Just don't yeah. tell him I said that. <laughs> we won't tell him, although he might hear it one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I think that's important because with the resting and the pausing, just you're giving yourself that permission to figure it out. And I think so many people have been taught that you have to have the answer right away and they're not comfortable enough to take that pause or that rest. So just hearing that it's okay to rest, it's okay to not have it all figured out. I mean, it's just that's another freeing moment because you do sometimes have to pause, gather yourself, even in this crazy world that we're dealing with right now that's going Mm -hmm. on around us. like if you're not pausing and reflecting on what's really happening, it's, it's going to be easy to drive yourself crazy with things you can't control right now. Right. And it's actually okay to say, I don't know. Yes. We're, you know, we're, we are in a society that expects we want everything right now. You know, I mean, just even think about the internet, what it was 15 years ago and you right. dial it, you know, you, <laughs> yes. it, it, you know and, and that was for some reason when that first came out, that was amazing. Right. I think we all just laid down and die if we had to go back to AOL, you know, exactly. so, the, you know, so taking that moment and recognizing, you know, these things, but also being able to say, I don't know, I need to think about it. And being okay with that. Other people might not be okay with that. And that's fine. They don't have to be. You need to do what's best for you, not what's best for everybody else. Right. And that's really important. And that falls in line with saying, I don't know. And then also saying no, because that's another concept that moms or people Mm -hmm. in general struggle with. Learning to say no and not giving an explanation behind it. Like it's okay that if you don't want to do something, if you can't do something, you may go from a I don't know to a no and then realize mm-hmm. that it's okay to say no. Like you don't have mm-hmm. to give an explanation, offer reason when you're evaluating what's best for you on the inside. And you finally, after that rest and pause, have come to that conclusion. If it's not going to work for you, it's not going to work. And I think so many people add so many things to their plate because they don't want to say no. Like, right. It's like oh, a bad no. word. <laughs> exactly. Or, you know, I, and I still struggle with this, the whole idea saying sorry, I say it way too much for absolutely yeah. just, no, there's no reason. And, and and what's helped me actually with that is defining sorry. And I'll, I can explain that in a minute. But okay. the other thing is not having to explain why you've made a decision. It is nobody's business. It's really not anybody's business. You know, if I don't want to go to here, or I don't want to do this with my kids, or I don't want my kids to do this, that, and the other thing, or if I, as a family or as a mother, am not going to do these things that everybody else is doing, I can just, I'm just not. You know, it's okay mm-hmm. to say those things, but we have this tradition and norm ingrained in us where we've got to explain to them almost as if we're rationalizing it with ourselves. why we don't have to do that. You right. don't have to do that. Just a simple no. You know, do you want to go here? No, no, <laughs> no. You know, people look at you like they're waiting for you to say more. They're like, they're looking it is, at it, you. It's, it's an expectation. Right, it is. That's, it, that's the norm. That's a norm that needs to be broken. It Don't is. expect, it is not your business. I mean, I need to learn that. Why, you know, when someone tells me no, it's the same thing. It's it's a mutual thing. We need it to is. understand. It's not, It. they say no, they say no. Hello, that's consent also. I think that, that you know, that rolls over. That's a whole other topic. Exactly, that's a whole, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> Part of that leaks into those things. That's what I'm saying. You don't it know does. how you're going to affect. And so- when in something as simple as give, you know, telling someone no and then feeling as though you need to give an explanation or saying that you're sorry, that leaks over into our children and how we teach them about consent. It right. teaches them that they, they have to be sorry for saying no. 
And right. that's, you know, here we go. Now we've perpetuated a norm that's probably not always the best. That's true. That is very true. And we don't, those things, we can kind of see them as we sit and talk about them, but as we're doing them, we don't really see them. And I mean, even with me, like saying no without explanation, it's a constant work in progress. And I mm-hmm. think that's important how we're pointing out that although we're with this great conversation we're having and things that we're doing, it's still all a work in progress. Absolutely. Like nobody has Absolutely. it all figured out. We're just doing the best we can each day to live the way that we desire to live, but it's still going to be a constant work and to figure it out and mm-hmm. get everything to go together. And I think that that's, I don't know if I want to have everything figured out. I feel like if I had everything figured out and I knew absolutely everything, there, there's no joy in learning. There's no joy in the process. There's no joy in understanding there's no like revelation of, you know, it's like a gift. You finding out what's happening. Is it frustrating sometimes? Absolutely. You know, do you want to know? Yeah. Especially when you're someone like me who likes to control situations, <laughs> you know, but when you, when you take these steps and you're resting and you're, you're making, you know, each is a very, each step that you've made is very conscious and it's very considered then when you get to that end, it's like the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. When you get there and you see what it's produced, you know, that's kind of amazing, you know, and you can, you can hope in that too. And you can glory in that as well. But man, if I knew everything, ah, man, that would be boring. Yeah, I feel like that true. would be boring. I say that now, but later on, I'm probably going to want to know everything, but <laughs> right. I just, you know, <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, I'm a control. I have issues with control also. But yeah, I can relate to that because you want to know. But then it's like, oh, that would be boring if I knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can definitely relate. Well, to I that. probably would just annoy the whole rest of the world anyhow, because I'd probably be like, I just know everything, you know, right. that, yeah. <laughs> that, that then we come a know it all. And then we're like, oh, she's yeah, know it all. <laughs> exactly. If you are enjoying this podcast, please take a few seconds and leave a review, a rating, And share this with all of your mom friends. We want to get the word out about the More Than a Mother podcast so that we can empower as many moms as possible. This is truly a movement for all moms. As moms, we are a community and it is up to us to continue to lift each other up. So don't keep all this greatness to yourself. Subscribe, like, share, rate, and leave a review so that all moms can start to tune in and start living out their own unique life stories. Let's dive back into this great episode. So (laughs) early on, you mentioned about your big family that you have and how you homeschooled Mm -hmm. all of them. I did. And I think that is an important topic to talk about right now because as Mm -hmm. we're recording this, a lot of parents are finding themselves to overnight have become homeschooled Mm -hmm. teachers. So what tips can you give with helping us parents navigate (laughs) this homeschool? Like I'm going to consider you my homeschool professional because you you have a large family. Yeah. So here's the thing. I have been homeschooling in a sense for, let's see, our oldest daughter's 28. So right around the age of two and a half. And when they're little, man, okay. You do not need to get nuts. They, first of all, they have an attention span of like two minutes and that is not an exaggeration. They really do. They may be able to retain, but they have two minutes. And in two minutes, if all you can get is the letter A and they scribbled on a piece of paper, I applaud you. Okay. There, there is, it isn't, you don't need to be as structured as everybody thinks you need to be. Now, when I started out homeschooling many years ago, especially when my oldest daughter hit about the age of five or six, we were very structured. I Mm -hmm. signed up under an umbrella homeschool program and we pay that cost us money. And I had all the books, every book known to man and all these manuals and all these workbooks. And it was very structured. And then other kids came along. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that threw things off because I had the, it, the age difference between my first and my second is five years. Okay. And then after that, it was like <laughs> every other year, I think between the second and third, it's like 13 months apart. Okay. And then it was like every year. So I was either nursing, pregnant, you know, toddlers hanging on my ankles or all of that, all at the exact same, same time. time. <laughs> so, so it was difficult. What I have, some things that have changed for us is there's a term called unschooling. 
Okay. And that's, that doesn't mean you don't educate your children, but it does it. It means that you don't do it in exactly the same way that is the tradition and the norm. And it's not some sort of rebellious weirdness. It, what it just is, is more about life that yes, they still need to read and they need, you know, math and all that kind of stuff. But if I have created children that are highly intelligent, but <laughs> trying to find a word that's not a swear word, <laughs> it's okay. but aren't little a-holes. If okay. I have highly intelligent children, but they are a-holes, right. I have failed if I haven't focused on making sure that I don't have that type of a child. Okay. okay. So they're really, really smart, but their character is out the door. Okay. I could care less about that. I would rather have a, a child that is kind and empathetic and compassionate and can see the beauty in outside and each other versus one who's been, you know, who's doing calculus in seventh grade. I, mm-hmm. I really could care less. And so parents now, cause that was your question. What's some tips and tricks for right now? If you want to do stuff with them that the school has sent, because I know and they have to do this, and if they don't do this, and they're not going to get credit for the future. Well, okay, I'm sorry. I feel for you. Okay, but here's my thing, is if you can take this time, this entire world has been put into a place of rest, mm-hmm. of ceasing. And that's really amazing to me because we, it's forced rest. You are forced now to take a break to consider. So to me, if, if I was not used to the whole homeschool idea, I would really focus more on spending time together or on real life stuff. Does your child know how, what it's like to go grocery shopping in the midst of no money? Do they, do they have any idea what it's like to clean a toilet? Do they know what it means now that everybody's home? The house is a whole heck of a lot dirtier. How, how are, you know, these are things that you have, you're a community when you have a family, you're this community within this building and you have to find ways to work together. And a lot of people don't realize that is part of education as well. It, it, and that is necessary. I don't think parents right now should be freaking out about the school thing. Worst case scenario. Your kid is not getting traditional education for a couple of months. I have news. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter. Don't make it matter to them. Don't freak them out about it. Because if you're freaking out about their education, they're freaking out. You're not a teacher. You probably, honestly, there's a lot of parents out there, for lack of a better word, stink at it. And that's okay to stink at it. It's not, right. your, not what you plan to do. So don't try and force yourself into a role that you weren't designed for anyhow. Just be a parent to them right now. I, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that, that, that was really good. I really, because there are, I mean, if just looking on social media, just at some of my friends and people I come across who are really stressing over their kids' schoolwork and the work that has been sent home, that I think that's great just to put it in perspective that you are a parent. You're not expected to do the job the way that the teachers do it. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to, yes, they have the assignments and the work they have to do. But in my opinion, and probably your opinion as well, it's unrealistic to think that your child's going to have that same structured day that they would have if you were sending them off to school. I mean, I know it's not happening like that in my house. So I couldn't imagine trying to put the pressure on myself to make that happen. Because like I said, well, it's and really it's so scary. It's got to be scary. Because the other thing is, is we send, when you send your child to school, they're in school for whatever, eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. Realistically, as a homeschool parent, just so everybody knows, that is not how long it takes to homeschool a child. Majority of my children, especially when we were doing very structured, they were done within one to two hours. They, some of them may have days where they're a little bit longer, but you have to keep in mind in school, they've got 30 students. There's breaks and recess and lunch and walking to and from different classes and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. You've got a teacher that's got to stand and he's got to do his presentation. You're not having to do any of that. You're not having right. to deal with all of that. And so if they can sit down and do a little bit of stuff for a little while, to me, honestly, reading is the best thing and not everybody's readers. So with my kids, I have some that were great readers um, and loved reading. I have some that absolutely despised it. 
And so my deal was, I don't care what you're reading. If it's the comics, I don't care. It can be anything. So I would take them to the library, pull stuff out of whatever, find it online, your Kindle, whatever it is. If they were reading, because you, what people don't realize when you read is you're actually really absorbing a lot of different things. You're absorbing the structure of the book. So the way that the sentences are written and how the, the, uh, grammar is in the sentence and how it sounds phonetically and how that, you know, everything's all structured and put together. And you actually can learn a lot from reading. You learn a lot about writing from reading. Okay. You learn a lot about history from reading. You can learn a lot about science from reading. So there's a lot of subjects that could be packed into, you know, reading an article that you wouldn't even realize as unless you've been a homeschool parent <laughs> yeah, that's you're true, like oh, I look, never read that article and I just knocked out history science right. and reading. So, I would have never never let's say that's yeah. why I said you would be our homeschool expert because yeah. I would have <laughs> never looked at reading as teaching all those subjects at the same time and I think that's just awesome and that is just wonderful advice to leave us all with as we're navigating this time right now yeah I mean there honestly Minecraft for the little ones there Minecraft, I personally don't get it, but in the sense, I'm like, I'm always telling my kids, those are squares. Those are squares. <laughs> Everything's a giant square. But there is an aspect to it because it, it is creative. It is really creative. My grandson, I have four grandsons and my grandson will, you know, grandma, look what I made and he'll show me. And I'm like, well, first of all, I couldn't do that. So there, there's a lot of aspects of creativity to go, that go into something like that. And I know that we have that whole, you know, a lot of parents have that rule about, Oh, we don't want online time right now. Okay, cut that rule out, especially during this time. You do not have time to decide that you're going to become some sort of teacher that knows nothing and create this, you know, schedule for eight hours where they don't get to look at these things. Never mind, you're probably over there on your phone. Anyhow, you know, just right. you got to let those things go. You've got to let those things go. Right, and I agree because it's a time where. We couldn't have planned for it, and it's just you're going to add unnecessary stress because they're in home, so there are certain things that you're used to your home being structured as, and so it's not mm -hmm. going to naturally transition to that. So I think that right. is just great. Right. So we know I know that you have this podcast called That's Not Proper, and just listening mm -hmm. to your whole story, I'm sure I could put together where the idea from, but came from, but can you tell us about That's Not Proper and how you decided to start this all up? Okay, so a little backstory. Growing up, I was a little bit, I don't know if rebellious is the word, because I actually was a pretty decent, I didn't do anything too crazy, but opinionated, loud, and I was regularly told, that's not proper. Corey, that's not proper. And so what ended up happening is that as I got older and I kind of got sucked into continu this continuation of perpetuating traditions and norms that I didn't necessarily believe in, but felt as though I had to do them because everybody said I did, whether it be, you know, family, the church community I was in at the time, society, whatever. When I decided to break free from that, I, I decided, you know, I'm going to go ahead and rebel against the whole that's not proper, change the narrative. And I'm just, that's not proper. So that's where the name <laughs> came from. Right. Um, but th that really what it is, is here I am. I'm almost 47 years old, a mother of seven, grandmother of four, been in, in the, with this partner of mine for over 25 years. And I got really stuck in this rut of doing what everybody else said, despite the fact that I knew I had a voice, but I wasn't using it. And so now it's really just about saying no, no more to those traditions and to those norms. And I talk about everything. I do. I talk about sex. I talk about all the uh, society's tradition and norms that we don't like to talk about. I talk about things that had to do when I was within the church community. We were uh, leaders in uh, youth community. We were, what do you call them? High school youth leaders. And, you know, some issues that we had there. And right. I um, have family that is deeply embedded in the LGBTQ community. And I talk about that. And so it's really talking about things that I was always told for so long that weren't proper to discuss, weren't proper to think about, and rebelling against all of those traditions and norms and saying, you know what, here it is, because I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not right. the only experience that or man, whoever listens. I'm not, I'm not alone. And so it's, I thought, you know what, why don't you use this platform 
in the hopes that somebody else can break free the same way that I did. Right. And that's really good. Just that you're giving people that freedom, that permission just to let loose and Mm -hmm. showing that they're not alone. Cause I think a lot of times people feel they're alone in their thought process and something is wrong Mm -hmm. with that. So then when we come across platforms such as yours to where it's like, okay, I live this life. I live the traditions. I live the norms. I was told that's not proper, but Mm -hmm. I'm switching up the narrative to live my best life. And in seeing that and hearing that and listening to your episodes coming across you on social media, wherever, that's just that thing of, okay, it's okay to walk in this. It's okay to be Mm -hmm. me. And so, yeah, that's great. And you know, and it's okay to be you. It is okay. If it's okay for you to be you and it's okay for me to be me. And guess what we can do? We can have totally different opinions and values and morals and traditions and norms, and we can still love each other and still be kind to each other and still respect that. That's a big thing for me because just because I may disagree with someone Right. And how, how they do something. It doesn't mean I don't love them. It doesn't mean I don't want to be with them. And it means that we can communicate in the hope of creating unity despite our differences. Yeah, yeah that's good because people don't want to talk about the things they don't agree about. Right. Because it's that. Or they want to fight and call each other fight. names. Right. Fight and call each other names where it's like, okay, we can have two completely different opinions. It doesn't mean that you're wrong or I'm wrong, or either one of us are right. It's just how we feel. And we each have the right to feel that way. But as long as we're having this conversation, you respect my thoughts, and I'm respecting what you're saying, then there's no reason Mm -hmm. why we can't have these type of difficult conversations, as people call them. And I think that's Mm -hmm. when you truly start to see the unity, the love, the respect, when we're able to have these uncomfortable conversations or these difficult moments so that we can start to understand how the other person thinks. And we still may not walk away agreeing with them, but it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. I can understand why you feel the way you do about a certain situation. And in my opinion, those conversations just don't happen enough. No, I agree because we've been told that through the course of our lives going way back that uncomfortable conversations aren't to be had. So then we create this tradition, this norm of not having them. And so then they're not discussed. And then we all wonder why everybody's all crazy because they can't discuss these things. It's really important to allow each other to communicate openly without judgment, you know, and express themselves in love, you know, with amongst one another. Yes, that is. And that is so true. Yes, those uncomfortable conversations should be had and need to be had more often. So I thank you for the platform that you are having Mm -hmm. those type of conversations on. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned with your children and your grandchildren and all the other things you have going on, how are you juggling life right now? (laughs) Because, well, now, (laughs) so I am a live-in caregiver. So I actually have kind of a benefit of... I, I don't really leave home anyhow. <laughs> so <laughs> this is this whole quarantine children, whatever you want to call us, is uh, it almost doesn't feel all that much different for me as a person. However, it is affecting the rest of my household. My kids, you know, they go to school and they go to work. By school, I mean my one of my sons is in college, and so he's home. And the ones that are working are not working. And then, you know, I have two type one diabetic children and then the elderly man I care for. All three of them are high risk. So for us, it's just being super diligent and vigilant. Is that the right word? As far as, you know, only going out for necessities. I really don't want anyone here at the house, which is not making my kids happy because they have boyfriends and girlfriends. And, you know, so, you know, trying not to go anywhere unless it is an absolute, you know, it's a necessity. Right. And then in addition to that, yeah, we are hyper vigilant as far as the hand sanitizer and washing our hands. Although I'm kind of, it makes me laugh the whole washing the hands thing. I'm like, how many people were not washing their hands? Before I know. This? I have this, I've, how gross are you people? I don't understand. Why were you not washing your hands? Ew. But so anyhow, we've been a little bit more hyper vigilant, but honestly dealing with an elderly person and the types of things that I deal with, I'm, I'm washing my hands constantly anyhow. So that changed for me. But what I have seen at my household, which I was a little bit nervous about, I thought, okay, it is going to turn to absolute chaos. Everybody's home. The house is going to be destroyed. They're going to want to eat incessantly because they just do that anyhow, but they, you know, a lot of times they're not here. So I'm not having to do every single meal. And surprisingly, my kids have actually come together really well. We'll see how long it lasts. I love my kids, (laughs) but 
let's just be honest, this is not really their forte, you know, so they've come together, they've been helping keep things clean and, you know, helping as far as, you know, run, get, getting groceries or like my son yesterday ordered Popeye's chicken for everybody, which we love Popeye's chicken. And so, you know, that, that was delivered here and there's a few, only a few more places and we don't do delivery. That's the thing. Feeding a family like this, eating out, that's not something that happens, nor is it something that I pay for because I can't afford it. So him doing that was a big, you know, a big ordeal. So we'll see how long this lasts. Today's my daughter's 23rd birthday. And I realized, we realized a few days, ago, like, I have, we have a tradition in our family where I do, we don't do parties because it's too expensive, but we do a dinner and dessert and mm-hmm. they get to pick. Well, because the way things are at the grocery store, the stuff that I needed for her wasn't there. So oh, wow. um, I was actually able to pull some things together. I didn't have decorations in the house, but I found caution <laughs> tape. <laughs> and I made balloons out of construction paper and put that up. So we, you know, trying to, to trying to make the best of it. Lots of game nights and movie nights and things like that. We'll see how long that lasts. Also, yes. because there are times where I'm like, I love you, but I'm gonna go ahead and be in another room where you guys are not. So. And I can relate to that. I'm sure there are a lot of parents that are feeling that way. So there is nothing wrong with that. And I just love how you're just making the most out of the moment. And even the caution tape and construction paper balloons that fit (laughs) so in line with who you are. So that's just wonderful. (laughs) So what would you say has been the most rewarding part of your life journey so far? Oh, gosh. Really? It... Well, I, you know, you want to say, cause everyone says it was having children. And yes, that was, that was really rewarding. And my relationship with my partner, that's been very rewarding. Honestly, though, it was probably when I started to recognize rest is necessary. And I decided that I wanted to find out what was truth, not what everybody else said was truth. I think that that's probably been for me, the biggest, you know, life altering thing, because I don't have a monkey on my back anymore. You know, I'm not burdened anymore. I, it's a, it's an amazing feeling. That doesn't mean situation has changed. You know, I'm still broke, you know, (laughs) know, I still still have to clean toilets, but, but the, everything that weighed me down, that was, whether it was, you know, uh, mental or spiritual, it's not, it's not the same anymore. And, and I can work through it in ways that I didn't think that I could before. And I can relate to that so well. And it's about changing your perspective. That's the way I see it. Like you said, not, nothing Mm -hmm. has changed. Like you said, you're still broke. You're still doing the same things. But Mm -hmm. when you switch that perspective and how you look at things, then you find Mm -hmm. things to be much more rewarding and find the joy in the everyday thing. So, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So what tip would you have to offer to, cause we talked a lot about traditions and norms and it comes down to me living unapologetically. So what tips would you have for a mom that is struggling out here just to kind of find her path and break free from these tradition and norms? Cause she might not be happy or something at that moment. What tip would you have to offer? Well, I think it just, it goes back to when I was saying rest, but in addition to that is big change doesn't happen overnight. And so teeny tiny baby steps. Here's an example. If you are someone that says sorry for everything, when you don't really need to say sorry, just one time, just one time, try it. Don't say sorry when it's unnecessary. And it, you build off that little, you know, that little building block. And so that goes the same with, with other things is if you can take one teeny tiny little itty bitty, you know, minuscule step, because sometimes that's the hardest thing is that first little step. Mm-hmm. The next one's easier and then you can make them bigger and then you can make it bigger. And then it becomes part of your character and who you are and it's recognized, you know, and like I said, big change doesn't necessarily happen all, overnight, but those teeny tiny steps when you take them to reward yourself, whatever it may be, I don't know, have a glass of wine, have a party, have the peanut butter and jelly sandwich you wanted because you haven't been eating them because they're too many calories. I don't know, but just, you know, just, you know, those teeny tiny steps are really, really important. And I think sometimes if we don't see this big miraculous change in five minutes, we think it has no value. And I don't believe that that's accurate. That one time, you know, that is important when you take those teeny tiny little steps. So start small. 
That's important. And rest in between each step. Okay, I did that. You know, peanut butter and jelly or whatever. I say peanut yeah. butter and jelly, but really I want a hot fudge sundae. <laughs> oh, but, exactly. you know, so yeah. <laughs> or cake. I know yeah. you like cake. I like cake, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, it, it, it's okay to have those steps be tiny. Miraculous, massive change doesn't necessarily happen, especially when you're talking about something you have done for 40 plus years or whatever, however old you are. It doesn't, you know, it took you that long to get there. It's okay if it takes you a little while to get to the big part, you know? Yes, that's good. Just take this first step. That's a good one. Yeah. So I thank you for joining me today. Can you tell the audience where we can find you online? Well, my podcast, That's Not Proper, is on pretty much every podcast platform I can think of. So I am there. My name is Corey Ascension. You can also look me up that way. I'm sure you'll have my last name in there because it's spelled weird. But then in addition to that, my website is that'snotproper.com. And you can go on there, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's not proper. Real simple. Everything is that's not proper. And then my email, if anybody wants to email, wants to talk to me, wants to give me some tips and tricks about what's going on in their life, it's Corey, C-O-R-I, at that's not proper.com. That's awesome. And we will link to all of that in the show notes so everyone can easily find you. I thank you, Corey, for joining me and bringing That's Not Proper to More Than a Mother. This was just a great conversation. I had such a good time as always. Thank you very much, Luan. I enjoyed it. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to LuanMoses.com. I love for us to stay in touch. Make sure you leave your email address so I can send you inspiration, tips, and the latest updates. Or if you prefer, text the word MORE, that's M-O-R-E, to 302-440-4632. We have some great things coming up and I don't want you to miss a thing. Thanks again. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, keep pressing because victory is yours.